You know, welcome to Jenny's Tattletales. I'm Jenny Heckman. I'm author of the Heaven and Earth uh, series. And this is Andrea Flescu. And she is the marketing manager for Celtic Butterfly Publishing. And today we are talking with the lovely Susan Payne. Uh, she is the author of a standalone book entitled The Woman of His Dreams. And it's a historical romance. And uh, we are so excited to have you here today. Welcome. Well, thank you for inviting me. Oh. Uh, so I guess the first question I wanted to know is um, if, if this is historical romance is kind of your genre, right? Yep. So what genre have you never written, but you'd like to write and why? Possibly Viking. I don't go back that far in my, my thoughts. Um, I like to write about strong women. I, I can't, I can't uh, read or believe in a woman who's, you know, sits there and whimpers and says, you know, someone save me. Um, it, just, <laughs> it goes so against my grain and my four daughters are, you know, um, I, I find it difficult to believe that if there were that many women that week of mine we would never be where we are right now, as far as uh, how far human race has come, because we raised the children. If we weren't strong, we would not produce strong children, whether male or female. And um, as I was growing up, of course, a lot of the romance were regencies, and a lot of it was women who seemed to hover in the corner, whimpering, saying to the strong male, save me. Yeah, that's, that's so true. <laughs> and I don't think there's too many women that like to read those kinds of books anymore. I read almost 80% historical romances. And I remember like 15, 20 years ago when I started reading these books, that's what it was. Women waiting for guys to come and save them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of mine, when they say, oh, what is your, your story? What trope? And I'm going, oh, I don't follow a trope very, I mean, maybe, you know, there's some rescue, uh, but there's, I don't follow tropes. And so I can't put in there, oh, Cinderella or, or you know, any of the, the usual, especially for the Regency. Um, again, there's still, I think there were a lot of women thinking for themselves. Uh, there's, there's historical documentation of them being dressed like men, smoking, um, uh, joining the army, you know, being soldiers. Uh, so, you know, we may want to think that they wore gloves and kept under a parasol so they didn't, you know, get any freckles and, and uh, always did as their mothers told them to do. But I don't think that's the truth. You know, I think a lot of them were, were pregnant before they got married. I think a lot of them had a lot more uh, experiences, <laughs> more than maybe their husband has ever, you know, knew about, but. Uh, a teenage girl is a teenage girl. It yes, I was going to say, you know, the female <laughs> curiosity is there and the, the urge to flirt and what have you. And, and um, you know, if you've got a good looking footman, I just can't see him going, oh no, my <laughs> <laughs> I never kissed him goodnight. Oh yeah. So, That's yes, awesome. it was it's that kind of, kind of thing that, that I, I wanted to kind of change. Um, I enjoyed reading the stories. Barbara Cartland was 
was oh, I love the biggest you know author of the time for for any of that type of thing but if you notice you know it was very sweet romance there was hardly ever a kiss involved i think she was one of those um i think i saw adaptations of her books like 30 years ago uh there's some really good ones i think those movies were the ones that got me reading these books ah, the historical romance yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but but again they were there were sweet romances. Yes. Uh, I, I found a place that actually called her books uh, costume porn. Because, oh. <laughs> because they were always written in very much detail on, usually they took someone who was poor, of good family, but poor. And a, a richer, older lady would be, took her in under her wing and dressed her. And, and then a, a, one of the nephews or something would appear and, and, actually, you know, kind of hawk up on her and, and decide that, you know, and buy her jewelry and, and pay for all this stuff that was going on. And, but a lot of the story, if you took it out of pages, a lot of it was about the, the clothing and, and the hair and the jewels. So yeah. when I read that about the, the porn, I thought, oh yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's the reason why a lot of them, because the stories were so similar in, in actual writing, even, you know, uh, that you sometimes would swear you you had just read them, uh, and, and you didn't, of course. But um, it was at the time it was all we had to read along that style. And um, I've always been a historical buff, I guess, interested in anything um, going all the way back. I recently wrote that I probably would do a love story between cave people, you know, caveman versus nice. cave woman. But there wasn't a whole lot there to uh, write about because they were limited, even in their vocabulary, I'm sure uh, was limited. And I, you know, other than whacking her over the head and dragging her into the cave, <laughs> I, I couldn't see any more of, of the, um, foreplay or anything going on, you know, that was, that was going to be pretty much it for the, for the love story involved in, in that period of time. So have you, have you read Clan of the Cave Bear? No. Should I? Oh, that, yeah. If you, if you've never, if you want to look, uh, she did amazing. Jean M. Owl is her name. And she wrote a series called Clan of the Cave Bear. And there's a whole bunch, I think there's six or seven books in the series. And it's all about that. It's all about um, about the very earliest of man and the transition into the new man. So there's like that that little uh, hitch in um, evolution that is happening. So you have the the kind of the they call them the flatheads. Okay. And then there was the the new the new man that was coming that were blonde and tall and beautiful and everything. And and uh, it's the the older neo uh, whatever neo whatever, the neo-man uh, melding with the new modern one. And the new modern one had had things that this one didn't. And it's a, it's a whole series. And it, it was written quite some time ago. Um, Jean ML uh, is the author. And I'm not sure if she's still alive. I'm not sure. But she's, um, yeah, she did a whole series on it. Pretty, pretty popular series. Um, and if you're interested in reading about that, she did a wonderful job at trying to get you into that scene and and the way they talk and all that stuff. Matter of fact, the talk is a big part of the story. So 
anyway. Yeah, that would be interesting for me. See, and that, yeah. that's so <laughs> a lot like of history. It, said, I, it ran through my mind to do one, and, and that was it. I would be basically one and, and yeah. done. And of course, no one could say you were wrong. You know, they're always going to point out any flaws because <laughs> we're not around. I love um, it. But there's cave drawings that you can, you know, can get a lot of information from. Um, I've always, you know, checked into those kind of things too. And yeah, well, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So if um if you had if writing is your first passion, what is your second? If you're not writing, uh, we'll do it. Antique furniture. Um, oh. oh yeah. So the time I was first married, which was at 18, um, I started collecting old furniture. And that's all you could call it is old furniture, you know. <laughs> um, and I still have the original pieces. I, I rarely get rid of any of them. Uh, so I've had, you know, a goodly number of years collecting them. And I've got originals from 1850 and I'll put it in my books you know they'll people will walk into a room and you know I describe my sofa there or uh you know my table whatever and and um and go from there but and what time period are you talking I have everything back to Charles the one Wow. So, so yeah. English colonial kind of style or uh, earlier than that, we're going ah. Rococo, uh, which was, you know, it's kind of what they, they were using a little bit in the Regency time. Um, but it was their, their old furniture. I mean, uh, okay, this yeah. is my great grandmother's mirror and she always had it. And so of course I have it in my living room, you know? Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's cool. That's really cool. What a great side, great side <laughs> passion. That's awesome. Or second passion, I guess. <laughs> I didn't get very far from the first though, did I? <laughs> oh, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> I'm just not the hang gliding type of person, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not either. Believe me. I think your, your feet should be firmly planted on the ground, but that's just me. My kids want to go skydiving next, uh, this summer and I'm, I won't be watching them. <laughs> okay. If you could spend time with a character from your book, whom would it be? And what would you do during that day? Well, I think I'd go back to my first series. Um, I had those self-published because they were not what I could, would consider um, commercially viable. Uh, they were done similar to uh, Spider in the Corners, what I call it, fly on the wall, where one something is kind of telling the story and showing the reactions of, of people uh, to what's happening around them. And then you get the characters themselves, uh, their thoughts and their reactions to things as, as, as you know, the story progresses. Huh. And um, I did not know I was bu building a series at the time, but I found this, this uh, character that I just, she is so sweet. She is so good that um, I thought she deserved more time to be seen. So uh, the first story was was um, the she was a 
of here comes the, the dead zone. See, here we're going with the air. But <laughs> That's okay. she was uh she was an orphan from a New York foundling home, and she'd taken and uh, watched over some orphans on their train ride out west. Um, she was too old herself to be on the, you know, as as a uh, as an option for an orphan. Uh, but she got a job. Uh, so they went out as far as St. Louis, uh, and she got a job there with a French uh, chef who taught her in his kitchens to be a, actually a sous chef. At the time, that was a rarity for even a woman to be in a professional kitchen situation. Um, and she gets fired uh, because they start rumors about her and the chef who's married and, uh, and, and <laughs> why she's the sous chef rather than her abilities. And, and she leaves that situation and takes basically any job she could get, which happened to be cooking for a ranch in the middle of Kansas. And so she becomes a female ranch cook uh, and things go from there. Uh, but she ends up bringing other orphans from New York. She sees the potential for their job. She sees the potential for, you know, getting out and under the stigma of being an orphan. Um, and, uh, that's, I ended up with, with eight stories going off from her one story and then people who come, um, and they all have, uh, a love story basis in the, in the, in each of the books. Uh, but it's, it, um, there's a lot more to it. And what's, what's her name? Her name is Cassie. Cassie. And yes. And what and so if you were to have spend a day with her, what what would you do? What would you want to go do? I'd, I'd want to just follow her around. She yeah. she had a unique way of of thinking about food. She um, a lot of my my people, especially in westerns, there's a lot of food involved. Uh, cooking is is a, another somewhat passion for me, and so. Uh, it just, most of my people are, my characters are normal, everyday characters. I mean, it used to be for Regency, oh, they always had to be lady this and lord that. And um, many times I will bring that down to, that's not who the story is about, that it's not about, because, you know, th that was such a small part of life. Yeah. I mean, there was a million people in London and, you know, not that many were aristocrats. So right, right. <laughs> there was a lot more, what they said, you know, downstairs than there were upstairs. And yeah. so uh, a lot of my stories tend to be more about normal people finding love, setting up their life, figuring out, you know, how it all works. And, and um, I tried to set up a, a background for them. So that when you're done with the book, you have a feeling for those people. Most of the time they are sympathetic, empathetic, that people that you said, boy, I, I wish I'd, I could be there and meet and spend a day with them. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's hard to choose just one, but because Cassie was my, my first, you know, I'd go with her. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a, 
Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite books and uh, the, the one really great book called Longborn. Have you read that? No. Yes. It's, uh, it's basically the, server, the servants of the family in Pride, uh, Pride and Prejudice. And I always thought that was such a great take to talk about the servants going on. Um, it's what was happening behind the scenes when the Pride and Prejudice story is going on. It's all the servants and what their story is behind the scenes. And I always thought that was a great take on it. So I love that you do that because you're right. Everybody goes to kind of the Lord and the lady. And and uh, when really most of the people were, were not that way. So that's a, that's a great take on it. It's really yeah. cool. I do a lot of soldiers, uh, soldiers back from the war and um, uh, just, you know, everyday people. And it's, and for my Westerns, it, because America basically didn't have an aristocratic, you know, except for maybe Boston had a little bit, New York a little bit. Uh, once you got this side of the Mississippi, you know, <laughs> there were no, it didn't care who, you know, no one cared who your name, you know, your father was or your 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 family. Um, you were going to have to stand up for yourself or be trampled, you know, with with uh, yeah. Well, know, those, what stories more inter- those stories are more interesting too to me. I mean, you know, that you can sit around and eat grapes all you want, but you know, the people that went out there and worked and actually established the country and and uh, you know, they went in the covered wagons and they they you know they worked the land and they did it. I mean, those were interesting lives and they were actually the ones that built this for all of us. So it is, it's a really, their story is more fascinating to me anyway. <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited actually to read one of your books. I think that will be kind of fun to read one of your books and see. Well, I have, um, by next month, I'll have 13 published out there. Um, and uh, I've, I've written 85. Uh, Holy cow! <laughs> I, write, I write constantly. Uh, I have uh, probably twenty works in progress going. What I would do if they keep nagging at me, I'll quit. Put them down. I give them a number, WIP next to it. Like so, you know, I have like thirty. I'm up to number thirty-five. Some of them I've already turned into books, but it um, it it lets me free up my mind to finish the book I'm writing or the usually the books I'm usually writing more than one at a time mm-hmm. and uh and and it it gives me the urgency I guess I always I always feel the urgency to finish one because I have all these others that I need to get get down in and in paper yeah. um, form is is my you know my, my preference yeah I love it Okay, well, um, so now our last question that we have for you is what would you most like to say to your readers? Um, I think it's read everything you can, all genres. Uh, you, if you don't like one, skip it, go light on it, whatever, but uh, don't, don't deny yourselves. I keep reading myself. I always, I've got books going all the time. My Kindle is full of, of little things that I can stop and read. Um, because of that, I've been doing a lot of anthologies because they're yeah. shorter for me to read. I'm a fast reader, I'm a fast typist. So I can um, do it, you know, do multiple, multiple things uh, and, and still have plenty of time. 
I usually watch TV with my husband um, four to six hours every evening. Uh, I sleep 10 hours a, a, a night minimum. So, you know, the rest of the time is basically write my writing time or my reading time. And yeah, so I, I, uh, I tell them don't, you know, even if you're a writer, don't stop reading. Don't, you know, it's too, it's too much um, information out there that you don't want to let pass you by. That's great advice, really great advice. Okay, well, I'd like to say thank you so much on behalf of Andrea and myself, I'd like to say thank you so much for joining us today, Susan. This has been such a pleasure getting to know you and getting to know your writing style and, and all, it sounds intriguing. I'm, I'm really excited to read you. Um, and I just wanted to say that uh, Susan will be on our Tattletales page. So you can go on to Jenny, uh, jennyheckman.com and you can read more about Susan and all of her books that she writes. And if not on her website, um, our website, go to her website, which is authorsusanpain.com. And uh, that's about it. That's, that's what we have. And I'd like to say thank you again so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you to you both. I, uh, you made it painless. Oh, good. <laughs> that's that's half the battle, right? <laughs> okay, well, you have a great day, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay, bye bye. bye. <laughs>